Well, I have two readings this morning. Uh, this, uh, the first is uh, Romans 8, 28 to 30, and then uh, John 10, 1 to 6. And I took an executive decision last week to break from Matthew's Gospel, and it's, in case some of you are wondering, it's not because Matthew 24 is difficult and controversial, um, though it is, <laughs> but we'll come back to that at some other point. I thought we could spend the a few weeks over the summer, over the summer weeks, thinking about how somebody becomes a Christian, what happens when somebody becomes a Christian, and uh, we're going to think about it this morning um, God's call, how God calls people to salvation. So, first reading is from Romans chapter eight, verse twenty-eight, and we know that for those who love God. All things work together for good for those who are called according to his purpose. For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son, in order that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. And those whom he predestined, he also called. And those whom he called, he also justified. And those whom he justified, he also glorified. Then turn with me to John chapter 10, uh, verses 1 to 6. And Jesus is speaking here. Truly, truly, I say to you, he who does, uh, does not enter the sheepfold by the door but climbs in another way, that man is a thief and a robber. But he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him the gatekeeper opens. The sheep hear his voice. And he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought out all his own, he goes before them and and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. A stranger they will not follow, but they will flee from him, for they do not know the voice of strangers. This figure of speech Jesus used with them, but they did not understand what he was saying to them. Let's bow our heads in prayer. Father, again we come to your words uh, humbly beseeching you to, to speak through it. Thank you for the promise of your Holy Spirit to lead us into all truth. We pray that he would indeed do so today and would speak to our hearts in Jesus' name. Amen. So I think you'll find it helpful to have your Bible open at John 10 as we uh, look at this today. And I want to start, as I said, I want to start a series um, which I'm, you know, I'm tentatively calling Becoming a Christian. And what I hope to do over the next few weeks is to answer the question, what does it really mean to be a Christian? Uh, what is a Christian? What happens to you when you become a Christian? What happens to you uh, 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 when you experience that life-changing transformation that happens? When somebody becomes a Christian, what I'm talking about here is somebody mentioned it this morning. Uh, Johnny mentioned it this morning. Uh, we're talking about the application of redemption to us. So, if you've read John Murray's book, uh, Redemption Accomplished and Applied, it's the second part of the book <laughs> that we're thinking of. How does uh, salvation get applied to individual believers? How does redemption come to people in the 21st century? Because 
2,000 years ago, of course, Jesus came, he lived, he suffered, he died on the cross, he gloriously rose again on the third day and was exalted to the right hand of the Father as he ascended into heaven. And now from there, how is it that people can become Christians? Well, it's from that place of glory that the Lord Jesus Christ sends the Holy Spirit into the world. And he does so in, and and that brings about a number of effects in us. And there are a number of benefits that accrue to us in this saving work that God does through his spirit. And it's, you know, it's a real question, isn't it? Some people think about Christianity as, uh, you know, a story from 2,000 years ago. How can that do, how can it, how can God do anything? How can that story do anything for me today and so for many people the death of Christ remains death and resurrection of Christ remains a kind of historical event Uh, maybe believe in that there was a man called Jesus you might not believe that he died uh, although there's irrefutable evidence that he died you may not even believe that he rose from the dead but I, I suggest to you there is irrefutable evidence that he rose from the dead But how does that complex of events then become real and relevant to me today? And so what we're going to look at is the the steps that God takes to bring someone to salvation and the benefits that arise as a result. So the passage we read earlier, uh, first of all from Romans chapter 8, gives us a skeleton of the steps that take place when somebody is converted to Christ. Verse 29, Romans 8, 29. For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined. And those whom he predestined, he also called. And those whom he called, he also justified. And those whom he justified, he glorified. Now these verses are interesting because it shows us that there's a a chain of events, if you like, that happens in the life of someone who becomes a Christian. A chain of events that's involved in somebody becoming a Christian. And it starts with God's foreknowledge of people. And his predestination. And that's all to do with God's mind and his will and purpose in salvation. That may raise for us many issues, but I'm not going to deal with those today. But he moves on from there to... To, just, to calling, and then to justification, and then glorification. And these are things that God does to us, and does for us. So this skeleton, calling, justification, glorification, doesn't say everything about salvation. And we're going to deal with all the things that uh, Paul misses out, because there are other things involved. Paul doesn't need to mention them here in this section of Romans to get his point across. But elsewhere we're taught about how one, is, one needs to be born again, regenerated by the Holy Spirit. The Bible speaks about faith, and it speaks about faith as a gift of God coming from heaven so that people believe, not of their own volition, but actually they're changed so that they're able, enabled to believe. 
talks about repentance. How God grants repentance. How it's never simply a decision that we make. Oh, I've decided to repent today. And it never happens like that. God has to do something. To bring you to the point where you turn from your sin and come to Christ. It speaks of adoption. Of being no longer an alien and a stranger to God. But you become uh, brought into his family by adoption. The Bible speaks of sanctification. It speaks of this process of being set apart and being declared to be holy. And then in your life, growing in holiness. So definitive and progressive sanctification. And it speaks of perseverance. About how God enables those whom he has called and justified to persevere in the faith. So that they get to the end. And enter into glory. So all of these things we're going to cover over the next few weeks. This morning we're just going to think about God's call. How does God call people? And it's important to recognize that God, first of all, that God does call people. That's where salvation begins for us. In our experience. God calls people to himself. And God has always called people out of darkness into light. You may remember the Old Test- in the Old Testament in Exodus, uh, the Exodus of Israel from Egypt was described as a call. In fact, Hosea, as we've been looking at on Sunday evenings, uh, speaks of it this way. When Israel, Hosea 11:1, 1, when Israel was a child, I loved him, and out of Egypt I called my son. God calls Israel. To himself. And that whole episode of the Exodus, with all its trials and tribulations and troubles and, and everything, was nothing, nothing less than God calling his people out of darkness into the promised land. In the New Testament, Paul, the apostle, describes Christians who experience this saving grace of God as called. This is how he starts two of his letters. Uh, To the letter to the Romans, to all those in Rome who are loved by God and called to be saints. Or the church in Corinth, to the church of God that is in Corinth, to those sanctified in Christ Jesus, called to be saints. God's call. Every Christian is somebody who has been called to God. And so we see that in both the Old Testament and the New Testament, when God is in the business of saving people, he begins that work by calling them out of their sorry state and into a new state of grace, along with all the rest of his people. Let me just uh, pause for a moment and seek to apply that to you, to our hearts today. This is quite, this is important. People... I think if you ask people out in the streets, or maybe in many Christian churches, people will tend to think that their personal salvation is simply a matter of them making a decision about something. That people think that they are Christians because they decided to become Christians. One day they were going about their business, and then out of the blue they decided to look into it. And then they made a decision based on what they discovered. It's a very intellectual approach to to religion 
And all I need to do, therefore, I think some people, is I just need to choose Christianity or something else or something else. I just choose. But actually, that's not the situation at all. It doesn't reckon with the God who is in heaven, who is all-powerful, who has a purpose and a plan for redemption. I want to illustrate this with a little story. I used, as a, when I was a little boy, I lived in Ayrshire, the Ayrshire countryside. And uh, where we lived, there was a, a burn, a brook, you know, a little river uh, running through uh, nearby. And I used to go down there with my pals. Uh, be a, there's a swing park, there's a place to play, but in the woods as well, you could go down to the river and you could catch newts and frogs and mess around and get wet and soaking and all, all the rest of it. And uh, so we played, and this is, this is summer activity. You play and play and play and play until your dad comes and says, dinner time. <laughs> dinner time. Now, I wasn't interested in dinner. I wanted to continue playing. That's what kids are like. They want to continue what they're doing. And uh, it was only when he shouted at me, and sometimes he'd actually literally have to come down to the burn and, and, and get me and my brother and say, come on, get your... It's dinner time. And I would only go because he had called me. And that's more like the situation in, that people have in relationship to God. Left to themselves. You see, people are, are just going about their own business. They do their own thing. Their lives are shaped by their own concerns. They're not looking for God. They're not choosing Jesus Christ. Actually, the opposite is true. They're, they're seeking to do anything but find God and find Jesus Christ. Uh, so much so that it's actually impossible for somebody personally to decide to choose God. Because they're lost. And their passions drive them in a totally different direction. So ask any Christian how they came to a living faith in Christ. And you'll no doubt find there's a much more complex thing going on. He'll tell you something like, Yes, there's a restlessness in life, and that restlessness in my life is funneled into ambition uh, and pursuing or pursuing certain kinds of pleasures. You know, so I'm a driven person. I want to do this and that in my life. I want to achieve all of those things. And so people are driven because they're restless, but that drivenness does not drive people to God. In many ways, it drives people away from God, anything but God. And then the Christian will tell you, but something happened. Something amazing happened in my own life, in my own heart. It may be something very simple, like a conversation with a friend about Jesus Christ. Or a book that they've read, which leads them to think more about the gospel. Or a sermon they listen to. Or maybe just something they've read in the Bible. I remember a friend of mine as a teenager. Uh, I've told you this before, but we kind of used to be into all this sort of spooky stuff about UFOs and weird things. We kind of loved it. And as a 15-year-old, we kind of found all these stories. We would talk to, to each other about them and get a kind of thrill about talking about these crazy stories. And then one Saturday afternoon, my, my friend said, well, actually I was reading in the Bible, Matthew 24. There'll be wars, rumors of wars, pestilence, plague. And he said, and all this is happening around us. And 
he was gripped that weekend. The following day, he went to church and he got converted to Christ. It's like God seemed to put his hand on his shoulder and said, you need to pay attention to this. And so he did. He became a Christian. This is what happens. God seems to do something in your life that grips you. And you can't shake it off. It's like you're a fish on the end of a hook. You try and wriggle and wriggle and wriggle and try to escape and you can't escape. Or you're in the net and you're wriggling away trying to get away. But you can't get away because you can't put it down. You can't put down what God has done in your heart already. And try as you might. You want to to put those thoughts of Jesus and eternity away from you. But you can't shake it off. Friends, that's how people hear the call of God in their lives. That they need a call from the outside. To break into the life of pursuing their own ambitions and their own passions. To grip them and grab their attention. And God does that. He speaks into the life and suddenly grabs your attention. This is what God does. This is what we need God to do. In all our evangelistic effort, we need God to speak into lives and to change lives. You see, people left to themselves are in eternal danger. They've sinned against God and there's no hope for them except by hearing the voice of God speak to them. And I just want to ask you this morning, have you heard the voice of God in your life? Have you heard that voice that grips you? And causes you to want to bond with Jesus Christ and draw you to him. See, this is what God does. John chapter 6, he speaks about drawing people. And the word there is, a, is, is like a fishing line. He's drawing you in. He hooks you. He pulls you in. It's like you're in the net. He pulls you in. And what does he do? He gives you to his son, Jesus Christ. Gives you to his son. Have you heard the voice of God? Or are you plodding along in your own path, doing your own thing, following your own ambitions? For you to be saved, you need to hear the voice of God speak to you. You need to hear the call of God. Well, let me talk some more about this call. And I need to make a distinction here between what you might call a general call and an effective or an effectual call. So as we go back to those Christians in Rome or Corinth or anywhere else, and think about them as called men and women, boys and girls, how did they become Christians? By someone coming to preach to them. So the Apostle Paul goes and preaches to Corinth. He didn't He hadn't gone to Rome by the time he wrote the book of Romans, but somebody had gone to Rome and preached the gospel. And some of those people believed and joined Paul in Corinth, for example, in the church. Now here's the thing about the preaching. There were many who heard the same message. But there were many who didn't become Christians. There were many who heard the preaching, 
but they didn't hear the call of God. And they didn't respond. So there are two groups of people. Those who became Christians, called by God to be saints, and those who remained as they are, non-Christians who didn't respond, though they heard the preaching of a call. In one group, the call is effective, and they become Christians. In the other group, it's ineffective, and they remain not Christian. Or to put it another way, there is a general call to all hearers, And there is an effective call to those whom God plans to save at that moment. It's rather like when I'm out playing with my pals down by the barn in the woods and my dad comes and calls calls me to go for dinner. Everyone hears the call, but only I go to be with my dad and all my pals just carry on playing until their dads come out. (laughs) Jesus addresses this in his in the parable of the wedding feast in Matthew 22 we looked at recently many are called but few are chosen many are called but few are chosen now if you think about it that's how the gospel has been spread across the world apostles and missionaries have gone uh, been sent out into the world to preach the gospel to every creature as Jesus commanded the job of the church is to bring the gospel to people to anyone who will listen so we, uh, we offer a free offer of the gospel to everybody Everybody can hear the call of the gospel. It's a general call issued to everyone. But only some will receive it. Only some will respond to Jesus Christ. And that's the way God works. Within the general proclamation of, of, of Christ in the gospel, the free offer of the gospel is given to every man, woman and child that we can. He is in the business though of, of issuing an effective call to those whom he foreknew and predestined. And it's this effective call that brings about a change of life and a change of life direction. The call comes with such divine authority and power that one cannot but hear it and respond to it. Indeed, that's what we see when Jesus speaks as a good shepherd in John chapter 10. Just look with me for the last few minutes at John chapter 10. Because here I think Jesus could not be clearer about how gaining eternal life works. It begins in verse 3 with the good shepherd calling to his sheep. The initiative is with God, with Jesus. He starts the process. Now, of course, it's God who's God the Father who's the primary caller. That's what Romans 8.30 tells us. But God shows us, John shows us that in chapter 5, Jesus only does the will of his Father. So Jesus is the prophet who comes and communicates the call of the Father uh, to all creatures. And so Jesus issues the call. He is the prophet of the Lord who speaks the words of God. And Jesus calls, therefore. He takes the initiative. And friends, this call of God, the call of Jesus Christ, continues today through some poor sinner standing in a pulpit like this and saying, come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. 
You see, it's down to people, it's, it's given to people like me and any other preacher to issue the call, channeling that voice of Jesus Christ and saying to people, come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. And as, as that happens, as that process is going on, God is at work. The triune God is at work. Father is at work calling people. The Son is at work there to receive people. The Spirit is at work to bring life to people. We'll deal with that next time. The triune God is fully involved in the calling of men and women, boys and girls, to Jesus Christ. So the initiative is with the Good Shepherd. He calls the sheep. Secondly, uh, He knows who his sheep are. Jesus knows who his sheep are. He knows them by name. And of course the picture here is is that of the Middle East. It's not like uh, you're in the west of Scotland, northwest of Scotland. You get these guys on uh, quad bikes running around (laughs) with dogs behind the sheep. Uh, In the Middle East, uh, the, the shepherd would go before the sheep and would speak to the sheep and call them. He knows them all by name. And uh, the shepherd has a relationship with the sheep. And the shepherd knows each one. And they respond to his voice. They learn to respond to his voice. Um, It's a wonderful picture of salvation here. Because although there is the indiscriminate calling of men and women to, to come and follow Jesus Christ through the gospel, when you hear the call of God, you discover that he is calling you with such warmth and friendliness that you cannot resist. It's as though he knows you already. This is the amazing experience that people find when they become Christians. They come to Jesus Christ who is warm to them, who knows them. You have that sense that you are known by the Lord Jesus Christ. And it's true because all this time he has had his eye on you. He has had, his heart, had you in his heart long before you ever turned to him. He knows you before you know yourself. And when you come to him, you discover how much love he is. The third thing about this call is that he, is that he as he leads us out, the sheep willingly follow, verse 4. Something irresistible about the voice of Jesus to his people. It's a voice that as it calls, it also compels a response. But not a coerc- in a coercive way. It's not like um, you know, a policeman with a baton forcing the criminal into the meat wagon to take him off to the jail. <laughs> Rather... The kind of compulsion we're talking about is the kind that draws out the will and the heart and the affections of the receiver when they hear the voice. And we are moved and warmed to that voice. And so you cannot but comply with the call of God. When someone experiences becoming a Christian believer, it goes, goes along with hearing the sweetest, most compelling voice you've ever heard, so much so that you cannot but follow it. That's the experience of every true Christian. There may, be a, may have been a time when he or she felt indifferent 
to the things of God, going about the business of everyday life. Whether or not he or she was in a non-Christian family or whether you're in a Christian family, it doesn't matter. You may have been brought up in a Christian family and it, it felt like the air you breathe in some ways, but you didn't pay any attention to it, to Christianity. But then something happens to you. Something that's said about Jesus that grabs your attention. You're gripped, maybe through a sermon, as I said, or through a Christian speaking to you, and you're hooked, and you cannot shake it off. You can't ignore what's been said to you. You can't ignore the message. Because, it, because you realize it wasn't just the words of a preacher uh, with all his weaknesses and failings. It wasn't just him that you heard. You heard Jesus speak to you. You heard Jesus speak to you. And you had to respond to him. A divine voice. A voice of God. A voice you can't ignore. A voice that totally changes your life. The calling of God. That's a sign of somebody who's heard the effective call of God. You cannot put it down. Well, the obvious question as we come to near the end is, have you heard this voice? Have you heard the voice of Jesus? I don't mean do you hear the sermons on Sunday. I mean, when you hear the word preached, do you hear the compelling voice of the shepherd speaking to you, calling you by name, calling you, not everyone else, not generally, you, personally, calling you, in such a way that almost every other noise, every other voice in your head recedes into the background and you cannot but think about that voice, the voice of Jesus Christ. That's the voice of Jesus speaking to people, effectively. You know, when we, uh, we meet on Thursdays to pray, we pray. One of the things we pray for, and we try to keep at this, is we pray for the worship services that are coming. This service and this evening service. And what is it that we're praying for? That those of us who are Christians would hear the voice of Jesus as he speaks to us. And that those who are not yet believers would hear that compelling voice for the first time and come to Jesus. Such that they find it irresistible. It's a great and wonderful thing to sing that great hymn. We're not going to sing it today, but I heard the voice of Jesus say, Come unto me and rest. Lay down, thou weary one, lay down thy head upon my breast. I came to Jesus as I was, weary and worn and sad. I found in him a resting place, and he has made me glad. Have you heard the voice of Jesus today? Have you heard the voice of Jesus saying to you, come to me and rest? If you do, don't ignore it. Respond to him, come to him, and receive from him. Be blessed. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your wonderful word. Thank you for Jesus, our shepherd that he calls the sheep, that he knows us before we even know ourselves. And we pray that everybody here would hear that voice. And indeed many multitudes outside of this church in time to come would hear the voice of Jesus say, come to me, unto me and rest. Amen.